You are listening to Ayahuasca Talks, and I am your host, Rebecca Hayden. For those of you who are interested in self-discovery and healing through hypnosis, please email me at rebecca.hayden at gmail.com to book a free consultation. Welcome to another edition of Ayahuasca Talks. Today, I have Tammy Lay with me, and Tammy is the Director of Outreach and Strategic Partnerships at Heroic Hearts Project. She raises awareness for the mission, helping veterans access psychedelic modalities for their mental traumas from war in countries where it's legal. She also connects this organization with other like-minded organizations to help further both missions along and help build community for veterans. She was called to this mission after her second plant medicine ceremony where she actually saw the Heroic Hearts logo and her heart immediately opened and told her to help heal and to be of service to these soldiers. Welcome, Tammy. Thank you, Rebecca. So glad we finally got a chance to do this. Yeah, me too. Maybe you can start off by explaining how we got connected and why, or even just elaborating anything you feel you'd like to talk about how the experiences you know, launched you on this path and how they helped you, you know, start to look in the areas you did to heal. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, so I guess it started in 2021 after I went to Peru for the second time for one of our Heroic Arts Project retreats to help facilitate um, veterans and ayahuasca. On that retreat, I actually didn't sit with the medicine. I didn't drink any ayahuasca, but I just helped hold space. And I noticed when I returned back to the States that I felt like I had picked up a dark energy. And that dark energy continued to follow me for the next few months as I moved overseas and came back. So one day I saw one of your podcasts on LinkedIn. I listened to it and I decided to reach out to you regarding an interest in hypnosis. Yeah. And can you describe like how that dark energy felt? I mean, I know it's different for all of us and it's always hard to put words to these things, but I remember you mentioned that you were um, traveling at the time and how it felt. Yeah. You know, before that experience, I had been, you know, living quietly in the pandemic by myself and I was thriving and very much in the moment. And after I felt like I had picked up this dark energy. I started to really struggle. Um, my mental health shifted a bit and it felt like things weren't really falling into place and I wasn't able to be as present and in the moment as I had been before. And then I just started noticing some negative thoughts, some insecure thoughts and just some tough interactions all around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you felt that this was something that was you knew being introduced in a way. Right. It was something that I hadn't felt in a while. And I, I really wanted to make sense of it. Um, mm -hmm. and, I, and I really didn't feel like going back to a plant medicine ceremony was the solution. Mm -hmm. Like something was telling me that I needed to do some kind of other work to integrate and clarify what was going on. Okay. And then we worked together. Do you want to describe the hypnotic journeys? Yeah, so you, you know, we connected. The first experience, you guided me to my spirit ally, which turned out to be my father, who passed away when I was 21 years old. And, right. right, and in that experience, you were so helpful in helping me ask the questions that I needed answers to. And one of those questions was, I asked my father, what is this dark energy? And he was able to succinctly tell me, those are your fears. In life, you need love and you need the fear. You need the balance. It's the yin and the yang. And both you and him allowed me to see what it was and to let it go. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And furthermore, in my work with you, it's been it's different than in ayahuasca ceremonies where I feel like the medicine is in control. You're seeing ancestors. You're seeing your past. You're working on things. You're purging. Where my work with you has been very focused and directed i never got to tell my father that i loved him before he passed away tragically and i didn't know that i was carrying that guilt and that shame all these years 
it's been over 25 years. And with the guidance that you gave me under hypnosis allowed me to finally tell him I loved him. And he was finally able to tell me he loved me. And in that moment, that father wound healed. And we both could move on, him in the spirit world and me in the natural world. And he showed up in your ayahuasca experience as well, right? Yeah, he's always showed up in all of my ceremonies. In my first ceremony in 2019, right after I drank my first cup of ayahuasca, he showed up and he was an Aikido instructor when I was young. He showed up in his uniform and said, remember how I used to teach you to meditate? You're going to need it. Remember to breathe, <laughs> which really helped me in that ceremony because, as you know, if you hit a rough spot and you get fearful, you do need to breathe through it and have that awareness around it, that it's just a moment in your in your journey. It's not the whole journey. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, the same is true of life, actually. It was interesting that that theme continued, and that does often happen. With hypnotic journeys, we can you know, revisit this stuff and then have more of um, empowered sort of interaction. And so what happened when you moved back into the integration stage after even our sessions? I, I would like you to describe that, how your connection with, with him continued because you established he was your, your ally that was willing to work with you and, and help you forge your own integration path, right? Right. So after that first ceremony where he showed up and, and, you know, enlightened me about meditation, I started my meditation practice after that to integrate. Um, (laughs) I still got called back to another ceremony where I realized, okay, this has to be a daily discipline. I have to do some kind of self-awareness work every day, or I won't honor my lessons and these beautiful gifts that ayahuasca has presented to me. So afterwards, now in meditation every day, whether I do it in the morning or the afternoon or in the evening, my father's presence appears also in his martial arts Aikido uniform. And we have, we have a little chat or I sense his feelings or I ask him questions. Um, that's something that you taught me with the spirit ally, ask them these direct questions every, every time until you get an answer, whether it's an answer in your dreams, whether it's an answer in a meditation, whether it's an answer in an intuition. So I have that now, Rebecca. Every time I meditate, he appears and I get a sense of whether he's happy with the direction of my life or whether he's concerned. But it's a general sense of, okay, I'm guiding you. I'm here for you. I love you. I support you. I can't be there in person to help you, but I'm here in spirit. So I'm very thankful and grateful to you for that. It's wonderful to be able to work with you and to share these things because, you know, we all can do this. And it's really just all inside you. The modality is the means to get there, whether it's plant medicines or hypnotic journeying. It's it's beautiful what we're discovering about ourselves and what we can do and those that we can connect with. I wanted to ask you to talk about other relationships that you were able to start to explore and mend I remember that at the beginning, um, there was one particular relationship that was kind of dominating your feelings and and you had to work through it. Are you comfortable talking about that one? Yeah, absolutely. I um, had a very close relationship with someone and this person kept appearing in all of my ayahuasca ceremonies, including their deceased mother who gave me a message to help this person in a way. I was new to the plant medicine world and um, its ways. So I took it literally, okay, I need to help this person, which, you know, fast forward a few years later, I started to realize, perhaps don't take what ayahuasca (laughs) tells you in ceremony, literally, because it, it turns out that most of it, it's metaphorical or symbolic or requires a lot more inner work and delving into your inner wisdom to kind of sort out You know, Mm -hmm. I think ayahuasca is such a personal journey. Rarely, I think in my experience, is it going to tell you to do something for someone else? Because then that's external. And that probably in a way is seeking external validation too. So I finally had to let that go, realizing that that was harming the both of us. It wasn't serving the both of us. 
Mm. And, and it really helped me grow in the way of surrender and acceptance. And that the personal work that I'm doing will be, I'll be the role model to inspire others to do their work. And you had um, an attachment to this person that that the mother was asking you to help. And I remember you were working through your feelings about it and you were getting help and discovering that it might not you know, be the healthiest thing. But I remember you had to kind of find a way through by uh, surrendering to it and giving it your all and saying, you know, let's try and then allowing it to unfold in a way that naturally, you know, revealed whether or not it was going to be. And the holding back was fear and all of these things that we're often afraid of when we have feelings that are so powerful, right? Yeah, absolutely. The, the feelings were powerful and the messages in my ceremonies were consistent. So, <laughs> so I, you know, I was trying to be respectful to the, to the journey. I was trying to be respectful to this is a deceased family member's spirit coming through in my journey, you know, trying to connect us. And, and, but I was also working with a therapist at the time who was, you know, advising me, okay, perhaps not understanding the ways of plant medicine world. So there was a bit of confusion on my end, but through working with you, it taught me that I needed to own my own truth and that there was a love for this person that I needed to accept and admit to and confront and to let them know because being guarded and being afraid of the outcome wasn't serving me as well. And once I once I faced it, and once I let it be known and I put it out there, I just had to surrender to whatever outcome was gonna happen. And for that, I'm all the better because I was able to actually live in my truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it must've been confusing because this stuff was continually coming up. And, and I think it, on its face, it would seem one way, oh, I'm destined to be with this person. Um, but really, I think that you discovered that you just had to really admit your feelings, express them, and then let it go, right? Absolutely. And and I had been afraid to for a long time, and I'm so glad that I, I finally confronted it because my feelings were real. As much as I were afraid of them, they were real. And when we're not authentic, that's when a lot of our issues start to happen. Yeah, yeah. And it can be confusing when we get messages in in the medicine experience. Some of them can be very legitimate, you know, but the working out of that, that is part of integration, right? Us discovering for ourselves. And the truth is we do know somewhere deep inside of us, we do know, and it's just a matter of getting to those answers. And that's why I love the kind of work that we do. So what about how things progressed from there? Because you've been on quite a journey since then, since we worked together. You healed some other relationships. Did you want to talk about that? Because that's a big part of all of our life experience here. Yeah, the work never ends, Rebecca. It just (laughs) keeps going and going and going. And and I'm grateful. Um, Next up was healing the wounds with uh, one of my sisters. You know, we had always kind of butted heads growing up. And now that we're older and she has her own three kids, once I started this work with plant medicine, I was really able to show so much more love for her and her situation and her wounds. And, you know, in the past, we would always argue quite heavily. And since my integration work, I've been able to really create a space for her and for myself to be more open and loving in our communication. So now when things come up, you know, I used to react and now I just respond. I take a moment, I pause and I respond. And acknowledge her feelings and I can immediately tell that that shifts our relationship because she's not on the defense all the time now and, mm-hmm. you know and I'm very close to her kids um, she has three beautiful children and they've brought us closer together because she can see that there's an undeniable bond between me and the kids and so me practicing my self-awareness integration work allows me to see people more fully in all of their wounds and in all of their love and all of their joy, instead of just focusing on what's wrong and where they're hurting me and how I can get back at them. <laughs> you know, it's more about understanding and compassion and creating this loving, nurturing space for the both of us to grow without me telling her 
all of my integration work and about all of my journeys. You don't have to do that. You just have to show that you are growing and shifting. Just be. Yeah, just be. Mm -hmm. Be that person that has shifted and grown. Yeah. I think she, that you, in one of your hypnotic journeys, you were able to see the spark that led to that kind of conflict between you when you were kids. And, and how did that like help you change that connection with her? It just gave me more compassion for her. Yeah. You know, um, it really gave me so much more compassion for her and to not just always see the wrong. Yeah. And to forgive myself and forgive her. You know, forgive the both of us for the mm-hmm. way that we've been acted, you know, and that's a huge thing, you know, in family dynamics, nobody wants to forgive. It just hangs around, right? And you don't even realize it. So how did that change things, you know, even with your father and, and your mom? Yeah, with my father, um, the forgiveness happened when we connected um, under the session where it was towards a spiritual ally. Yeah. All the, all the grief and pain of his death all washed away in that moment of forgiveness when we could tell each other we loved each other, you know, and that's, and that's heavy, mm-hmm. you know, heavy and light at the same time, right? Mm-hmm. And then going further with the work with you, we decided to work on an ancestral trauma because I had felt a calling to connect with my ancestors. They had appeared in one of my ayahuasca ceremonies and I hadn't realized I had so many ancestors, even though they were faceless and nameless, I felt just millions of presence. And so, you know, I'd asked you, hey, can we explore ancestral healing? So that's what we worked on. And in that session, we called in my ancestors and my grandparents from my father's side that I never met both appeared. And, um, you know, I've never met them. They passed away when I was young in Vietnam. And we, we interpreted that to be, it's an invitation for you to come to Asia. This was something that had been on my mind for a long time with moving to Asia, but, you know, I was always held back by this or that. And, you know, with my work being so flexible, I can work remotely anywhere. Having that invitation and feeling their support and meeting them in the session with you for the first time spiritually really gave me the confidence to make the move to Asia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's been on your mind for a while. I think you mentioned that. And then you felt a stronger resolve uh, once you connected with them. Yeah, absolutely. And so I think it was two weeks later, I packed all my stuff and I moved to <laughs> How do you feel about that? Because, I mean, it seems abrupt, but as we both recall, you had been thinking about it for a long time. And how do you feel about that now, that, that decision? I'm so happy I made that decision. Yeah, you know, it sounds abrupt, but it wasn't. Like, like you know, we said they had appeared, my ancestors had appeared in an ayahuasca ceremony. So the groundwork had been laid. Mm-hmm. You know, and it was just a matter of I needed the nudge and I needed the confidence. And that's what happened in the session with you. And so here I am living in Thailand, <laughs> Beautiful. you know, yeah. And staying with my mom. I don't speak the language. You know, I I know a little bit about the culture and it has been an amazing journey of deep generational and ancestral trauma awareness. Let's get into that part because I'd love to hear more about your work there and the things you feel that have come up for you and that you've been able to work through emotionally and heal in terms of ancestral trauma and the assistance you're getting from other spiritual allies and elements that have shown up that you're working with now, which is beautiful. Yeah. So initially, again, I guess I didn't learn my lesson. I I took the invitation literally like, oh, okay, I need to move. (laughs) Thailand. I need to, you know, hire a historian to find out about our ancestors, you know, grow, grow the family tree, make a history book. But it was so not that. Yeah. It was was coming and working on the relationship with my mom, which is Mm -hmm. where, where the generational trauma lies. And had I, had I stayed in the States and lived my life, I would have never, we would have never done this work. You know, I would have been fine living in the States. She would have been fine living in Thailand. We would have seen each other on holidays. But coming here to her land 
and um, her home and the home of my ancestors, they really pushed us to heal all that needed to be healed. And, you know, my mom and I had a tough time after my dad um, passed and there were some, you know, unresolved wounds there. And they finally all came to the surface and things that were, you know, from my teenage years that I had totally forgotten about and or pushed aside or buried. Um, and the arguments started, the bickering started, but they needed to start because the truth needed to come out about the hurt that we were both unconsciously carrying. And once it got, once it all came out, we were able to make the decision on whether to forgive and love or whether to still hold the grudge. And because I've been doing my own self-awareness integration work and meditating and trying to always be loving and choose love in all my interactions, I was also able to create the space for my mom to choose love as well. You know, instead of attacking her and, and you know, getting into these super mean spirit arguments coming from a place of hurt, I slowed down and I paused and I validated her feelings and I, and I showed her that I understood her pain as well. And with that, she was able to learn from me and also validate my feelings, apologize. We both were able to forgive. Both of our bodies relaxed, our faces relaxed, you know, um, <laughs> the body language just softened. And we both were able to really create this loving space to now see each other fully in our pain and in our joy. And now we have this beautiful relationship together where she probably texts me way more often than I like, but it's something <laughs> that, you know, I'm not going to take for granted. And I just love because we never really got a chance to have this mother-daughter relationship growing up because, you know, there's so much trauma there that we didn't know how to navigate. And so I'm so grateful to my plant medicine journeys. I'm so grateful to, you know, me sticking to the integration work that works for me. So mm -hmm. that, that works for me, you know, that works for me because it's different for everyone. And that has inspired so much generational healing in my family and I don't have to go preach and 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 shove any of this down anyone's throat I just have to do my work and show that I've I've turned a corner and that I am compassionate forgiving and loving and that they can be too and I think you know that's where ancestral healing happens and without a doubt I feel the support of my ancestors on this land I feel them all around me um, intuitively, spiritually. I feel them pushing us to do the work, but I feel them pushing us to do it lovingly. You know, if not, we would just avoid it, you know, and everything would be kept on the surface and we just won't go there. Mm -hmm. But because I feel they're such a strong presence with them, I know that this, this is them guiding me and supporting me to heal these ancestral wounds. That's beautiful. Yeah. I'd love to learn more about some traditions that have been, I mean, obviously, which I believe is the most powerful thing, the relationship you have with your mom and healing that is healing the generational trauma because it all comes through the line, right? But you, you had told me a little bit about becoming aware of the kind of spirituality that exists in Thailand in terms of the land itself and all these other um, elements of spirituality that have come to life for you. And I found that so interesting. And the relationship that you've cultivated with these other spiritual elements, I'd love for you to share about that if you're comfortable with it. Absolutely. Thailand is a very spiritual country. There are Buddhist temples everywhere. And um, in Thai culture, they believe that spirits live on the land and um, especially in like the larger trees. If you see a huge tree somewhere, there's usually like different textiles wrapped around it. And there's usually a, a spirit house planted next to it because that's where they believe the spirits will live. So when I arrived here, the first week I had trouble sleeping. And I told my mom, mom, I can't sleep. I don't know what's going on. And she's like, oh, you need to pray to the lady of the land. You need to show your respect because you're a new a new person on her land. And I was like, okay. 
So that night I did, I prayed to the lady of the land and I said, you know, I'm here. Thank you for having me. I'm a guest on your land and I will honor you. And that night I slept through the night. And so since then, I realize the connection is a connection of respect and honor and humility. So now every night I do pray to the lady of the land and also she guides me as well as my ancestors in doing the work, you know, they keep me disciplined, they keep me on my toes and they keep me aware because when there isn't that humility to the spirits of the land and to your ancestors, that's when I notice that um, my life seems to be more tense. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. Literally branching out in terms of your connections. So I have to ask you a question. This is something that I think many people can identify with. How was your attitude about these before, about all this spirituality of your ancestors and as compared to now? How was it before as compared to now? Before, you know, I really, I didn't have a connection. I didn't even have an awareness. I was just not aware of my intuition as well, you know, and and how powerful that is. And how once you realize the power of your intuition, you realize the power of your wisdom and that you have all the answers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that I don't need to read every spiritual book, every philosophical book. Um, I don't need to reach outside of myself externally for anything. All the answers are within you. You just have to uncover them. You just have to do the work. And for me, that's been meditation. That's been sitting in silence, listening to my intuition and dropping into my heart. And it can be once a day, it can be two to three times a day, but I'm very, very, very mindful to be aware that it's at some point in the day. Mm -hmm. So I remember you mentioning that you told me the story of the lady of the land and i'm wondering so you weren't aware of any of these kinds of traditions before when you were living in the states no not at all not at all and that's not something you know that i see prevalent in the cultures in the west Mm. right when i came to thailand i just felt this spiritual richness and i actually felt relieved because I felt like a part of me was being validated. What I had always felt inside me was now being connected to these spirits. And so it's really healthy for me right now to be in Thailand to cultivate this because it, it, it's a part of my intuition. It's a part of my spiritual practice. And, you know, and it's accepted in Thailand. They speak about spirits openly, openly and, and, it doesn't necessarily mean that I have to go to a Buddhist temple and pray every day or give money to a monk or a temple. It just means that I have to tap in and connect with them every day. Yeah. And you know what's best for you too, because you can feel it. Yeah. I have notes here about our discussion where you mentioned that you got all these books and you couldn't find the answers. And in the end, the stories that most resonated with you were the innocence of of kids' stories and kids' poetry. Yeah, I remember um, after one retreat, like everyone rushed to the spiritual library to like grab as many books as they could or philosophical books, Eastern, Western, everything. And I grabbed about five and I was excited to read all of them. And they varied from Tibetan Buddhism to Pima Chodron to Western philosophy. And I went back to my room And I could not get through the first page of any of the books. And and it made me realize the answers are not in the books. The answers are inside you. So let's put the books away and let's sit in meditation until those answers surface for you. Clear the mind, drop into the heart and lead with that. Lead with the love of that wisdom. And um, I've been doing that ever since. Yeah. and, And, you know, when you're in a crisis of course there's a tendency to reach outside of you to soothe you to get a direct answer to you know make you feel better in the moment to guide you but what i realize is that every time i i have a crisis in my life or an issue or a problem i don't feel the need to run to you know medicine ceremony to to figure it out Mm -hmm. in fact 
you know, you and I discuss, like, it's probably better. Yeah, one way of honoring the medicines is to regard our lives as the journey and see that, you know, when these things pop up, we can, we can instead of our usual reaction, well, we can have that and we can be aware of it, which is really good. And then we can also come to a place where we regard it as an opportunity to work on something because otherwise it wouldn't be coming up, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then, you know, back to answering your question, I, I did notice that instead of reading all the philosophical books and the spiritual books, I turned to like the simple wisdom of children's books and children's poetry. Yeah, that's great. When we're in, in the medicine, in those ceremonies, so many of us stumble out of it going, oh my God, it's just so simple. We make things so complicated, you know, and it's kind of funny. And then when you mentioned kids' stories, I thought, you know, there's an innocence we're being recalled to now, being recalled to experience that within us, our own innocence, our own you know, simplicity and our own beauty and and how simple love is and that these answers don't have to be so deeply complex. Sure, we can, you know, explore and it's it's it can be helpful if we're being, you know, invited to explore certain wounds. But in the end, what's really going to help us most is returning to this innocence and simplicity and openness and and kids are like the embodiment of that. Yeah, and you know, Kids are present as adults. We've got so many tasks and goals and and things running in our heads and we forget to be present. And what are children? They're always present and in the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a beautiful gift to give anyone. Yes. And when they're around you, they remind you in really interesting ways. <laughs> we talked a bit about spiritual bypassing, and I don't usually like to use those terms because people can mean all kinds of things about it and when I when I dig when I ask some questions then you get into the reality of whatever it is they experienced and what their reaction was about and how they you know perceive things and and that's that's really important work and you mentioned how you're digging into your own reactions which I think is the most powerful work we can do so do you find yourself more aware of your thoughts now giving you room to to take moments before you react? Absolutely. That has been probably the most consistent form of integration that I can think of for me is pausing and reflecting and then responding if there needs to be a response. In the past, you're operating from all of your wounds and all your trauma and you're just in survival mode. Mm -hmm. And now when you take that time to be aware of the feelings that are coming up, the reactions that are coming up, the actions that you want to take, and you're able to really reflect on whether that will serve you in the long run and whether that's authentic to your truth, you're really giving yourself the love and the respect that you need by doing that. Mm -hmm. To fill my own cup of self-love, to move out of survival mode and to move out of peaceful, to move into peaceful thriving mode. And that takes patience, that takes honoring your truth, that takes being aware and being present in the moment at all times, that takes being mindful of your avoidant techniques, you know, of your ways of not wanting to feel pain and shame, but you have Mm -hmm. to feel it all to grow, you know, the only way out is through. In order to grow, you, you know, really in order to grow from shame, you have to acknowledge it and face it and have compassion for yourself and forgive yourself for all the ways that perhaps you operated from that place in the past and are not so proud of. Are there any examples of those experiences that you've had that you're willing to share? Because I think, I mean, this comes up a lot with the integration work is shame. It's a big one for many, many people and sneaky. (laughs) You can be there when people aren't aware that that's at the heart of it, you know? Yeah, you know, that was the core of healing my relationship with my sister and my mom. It was it was facing our shame. It was facing the fact that we said and did things that hurt each other because we were hurting and we were in self-defense mode and survival mode. And it was finally acknowledging that, that the shame was not who we are. Mm-hmm. The shame was just, it was just our weapon and our shield. 
And now that we could bring it to the surface and become aware of it and acknowledge it and, and forgive ourselves for that, we could move past it. But nobody will outrightly just bring up their shame and say, okay, I'm ashamed. You know, when it runs so deep and for so long, you keep running from it, you keep hiding it from it and you keep avoiding it. But when you honor yourself and love yourself and respect yourself enough to say, you know what? There are times in my life where I didn't act as lovingly towards others and myself as I could have. Now I'm aware. Now I understand that that wasn't me. That's just what I did in the moment. Mm -hmm. I I can go back and I can say it's okay to yourself and to the people that you hurt. You can say sorry and there can be, and forgiveness can bloom from there. Mm -hmm. And the shame keeps it all going. The shame makes you want to defend it all. And yeah, it's a trap, right? Yeah, it's a trap. And like you said, it's super sneaky (laughs) and sophisticated. Yes. (laughs) You know, it gets really sophisticated, but you know, what a humbling gift to become aware of it. You know, I'm so grateful grateful for the humility. You know, I I like to say that ayahuasca, you know, brought me down to my knees to face my shame so that I could rise with grace and love for myself and others. Oh, that's beautiful. And do you feel that presence in your life now still? Yes. Um, Every day in my meditations, I don't stop my meditation until I feel my own humility to face my day until I feel that I am just a small speck in this universe and there's there's spirits and energies way bigger than me and that if I can move in my day with love and humility whatever shame that may come up from the past present or future I can embrace lovingly and I can I can, you know, be proud of myself for being brave and facing it. Yeah, there's a balance to this too. Humility is important, but also recognizing our own power as well. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Because the connection that you now have to these, to the lady of the land and how you're working with other spiritual elements that there, that's very powerful. And if you approach it with humility, with also recognizing your own power. I think that's a nice balance. Agreed. You know, I, I feel humble just talking about this. <laughs> so I feel humility that I've been able to uncover this power within myself and to feel the power all around me of these spirits, the Lady of the Lands, the spirit of my father, the spirit of my ancestors, and that that continuously reminds me that I'm not in control. My ego is not in control. I'm not in control. I have to surrender to my intuition and to these spiritual beings to guide me in my life if I want to live an authentic life. In the past, I tried to figure it all out. I tried to control everything. I tried to plan everything. You know, I tried to manipulate everything and it didn't work out. So now every day, you know, my integration journey starts in the morning or whatever time and day I have to meditate connect with myself, connect with the spirits, have a little, you know, feeling conversation with my father. And when I feel that I have become very small and humble, that's when I know that, okay, you can emerge out of meditation and that you will proceed in your day with love and humility and grace. And that you need to remember that walk slowly, pause, reflect, respond, and create space for others to also be inspired to do their own work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's all we can do is really work on ourselves. And if part of that is working with others, that's great too, but everybody's got to find their own way. And there's balance to be had that is different for each person. So somebody who has led a life that's imbalanced in the area of humility may need to actually build themselves up a little more, you know, and, uh, and not lean into that as much, you know, because that can also be a protective me- mechanism for people. This is something I certainly experienced myself. So we've all got our own little games. <laughs> that we, Absolutely. And- <laughs> 
everyone's journey is so different and it really is about the balance, the awareness and the humility. And, you know, I now know that I have so many of the answers within me. And I now know that I have the support of beings that I cannot see and touch. And that is my journey. And it's not the same for everyone, but it's been, you know, so profound for me and working with you to help clarify any confusion that I have has been very, very, very helpful. That's wonderful. Actually, you know, I think we all have the opportunity to work with these beings. I think they're pretty much lining up right now. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's a very special time, you know, Um, moving out of this survival is, is quite the process, right? It's something that we've been accustomed to for a long, long time, and we don't have to live that way anymore. But moving out of it is is quite the process, and we've experienced that on our own. These these kinds of mechanisms, inner mechanisms, we're so familiar with are tools of survival. And when we throw them down, we've got to find another way to live that's not in survival, that's in thrive, that's that's very different. So we're going to need different tools and they are available. And again, yes, as you say, they're unique to everybody, which I always say, because the old school way was, let's mainline, mainstream everything, and then everything's the same for everybody, like we're all in a big box store. And it's just not like that, you know? <laughs> we're also very unique and honoring that is a very good first step. I mean, your own journey, it doesn't mean that everybody drops everything and moves to their homeland, you know, <laughs> like, just imagine, right? I do think people are moving back into understanding their own uh, history and spirituality, though, and I think that's a very healthy thing for those who feel called to. I certainly have. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, the journey is nuanced. It's not black and white. It's not direct. It's got twists and turns, peaks and valleys. And, you know, it's the awareness. And it's also, I think you'd agree with me, it's the intention behind it. Why are we Mm -hmm. doing it? And I know that now so much of my life is intentional. My choices and my decisions are intentional. Where before, in survival mode, it's just like, just make it, just survive, just get through Mm -hmm. the day. Where now my days are slow and every choice I make is thoughtful and mindful. And when it's not, it usually backfires. Yeah, that's right. Have you, have you discovered that like something that I loved about having this guidance and having this interconnection so powerfully at work in my life is that it starts to actually shape my integration path in that it creates like I have my own intentions that some of which initially were tied to the past, tied to my own ideas as to what I should be doing. And they changed. So it actually shaped my integration path by changing my own intentions and bringing me to a place where I started to understand why I had those intentions and letting them drop if they weren't authentic and starting to build different ones going, oh God, yeah, that makes much more sense. Okay, now that's my intention. And once you're behind it, then you're, you know, you power forward, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am going to share that my path was similar to yours in that sense. You know, the intentions that I perhaps started out with that I thought were true for me have, have changed with the addition of the spiritual support that I have. But once you clear up that authentic attention, it's almost like this gentle, beautiful rocket fuel behind it. You know, it's not like propelling you forward, but there's this fierceness behind it that is very loving and very intuitive. Yeah. Yeah, you're not rushing towards completing it. You're just in the moment and kind of letting it carry you. Mm-hmm. And remembering, remembering what you're really about and what you really want instead of all of these layers that have been piled on over the influence of a lifetime. Yeah, absolutely. You and I have talked about that a lot. You know, <laughs> it's it's shedding all those layers, the programming and the patterns and really yeah. getting to the core of who you are. That it's what that innocent child wanted to begin with. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, and child work can also take on, you know, other qualities where we recognize that there's also a wounded child inside that needs attention and understanding. And and once we, you know, once we apply that and understand that that child that's still wounded, and once we heal that, then it's no longer operating in a way that's not as pure as that child state can be. Right. And I think that's, for me, that's been you know, the core of my plant medicine and integration journey is going back and healing that wounded child. Mm -hmm. The love and nurture that it needs and the forgiveness and compassion that it needs so that in this adult body and this adult mindset, I can still set an intention that's pure like a child, but with the, mm -hmm. wisdom, but with the wisdom of my experiences as an adult. That's beautiful. So... Why do you think now, having um, worked with Heroic Hearts for a while and having been called to by Ayahuasca, do you now see why that was that why that happened? Do you see how that was important for you? So actually, we forgot to touch on this, but we did a past life regression together. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we did a past yeah, we did a past life regression together because I um, I was curious as to why I went from, you know, working for corporate luxury hospitality to um, working with veterans in plant medicine. And I, I don't really have like a veteran presence in our family. Um, my grandfather and uncle in Vietnam were soldiers in the Vietnam War, but they passed away before I was born. So in that past life regression, the first life that was uncovered was I was a soldier. Um, it seemed like Eastern Europe, Poland, World War One, And so I was like, okay. So there's a connection to being a soldier. And then we moved into the second life. In the second life, I was an indigenous Amazon girl. And so that cleared up the connection of how I was drawn to the Heroic Hearts Project where we bring soldiers to the Amazon to heal. Mm -hmm. well, this is a continuation of the work of my past lives unfolding. Right. And do you think that you now feel like you understand more about yourself and the kinds of things that you experienced in your own life due to some of these past influences? Absolutely. You know, our founder talks about those who have a warrior spirit who are drawn to the organization to help and to be in service to the warriors. And and doing this work with you helped me realize that. It's given me that clarity and that purpose of why I'm doing what I'm doing and why I felt so naturally called to it and still feel called to it. And, you know, I, it's hard for me to explain to others mm -hmm. um, they're like, well, how did you go from that career to this? But I don't feel the need to explain it because it's mm -hmm. a calling and I'm, you know, living my authentic truth um, in regards to this work. And it feels natural. It feels soft. It feels like I'm honoring who I am and all my past lives. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. And I mean, how did it feel in your previous career? Did you feel connected to it in the way you do now? I mean, you know, that's another thing, like to recognize the difference. Yeah. And it's funny that you bring that up because in my last career, um, there was a connection to Peru as well, the Amazon. So I didn't feel connected to that work because I was still in survival mode. Um, and I was good at it, so I did it, and I made a lot of money, but I wasn't necessarily fulfilled. So I mm -hmm. think that career laid the groundwork to lead me to this because it gave me the exposure to, you know, Peru and the Amazon when, you know, I'm a Vietnamese and, and Thai descent. How would I even know of a connection of that mm -hmm. sort? I've never even been to South America. So... Once I transitioned to Heroic Arts Project, I realized the connection and I realized that that career, whether it aligned with me at the time or not to my true authentic self or not, it served its purpose. Right. I think that there's secrets that 
are planted in our own past experiences in this life too. Like things that you view differently once you've worked with medicines. And once you start to do that most important inner work, inner integration, and then you start to look back and you go, oh, wait a minute, that makes a lot more sense now than it did before. I mean, every single company that I worked for had to do with communication. And then as soon as I worked with plant medicines, it's like, you've got to speak. <laughs> it's important. It and, and there it is. And now we have the podcast and it's amazing. <laughs> right? And it explains so much more, right? Some imbalances that I even had in that regard, you know, this the extremes one to the other, you know, being silenced and then, you know, a tendency to, to kind of overdo it and then having to come to a place where you're more at peace and, and you don't feel the need to, to have either of those things happening in your life, which is beautiful. And I wonder for you, if you, when you look at your previous career, not only the segue into to Peru, but I wonder if there's also another element that's been at work in other things you chose where subconsciously deep down inside you were choosing from another place too. Yeah, so the other, like you said, all your careers dealt with communication and all of my careers have always dealt with like outreach and connecting people mm -hmm. and, and moving a mission or a message along or a brand along, you right. know, and, and so I always, like you, doing it already in that way, just in a different, you know, industry. Mm -hmm. And so I was practicing the skill sets you know, and now with this move, I'm able to really hone those skill sets in and, and use them very, in a very focused way, in a very intentional way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I invite everybody to kind of take a look at what are the hints there in your life now that are leading you to something that, you know, your heart is really calling you to do because that can lead you in a wonderful direction and, and help you understand a lot more that is going on under there that wants you to move in these other directions that are helpful as well. Instead, you need all of it. You need the extremes. You need the ups and downs. They're all learning lessons to lead you to the path that's going to be your soul's path. Absolutely. Yes. And on that note, I wonder if you want to let people know where they can reach out to you. You can share the Heroic Hearts website and anything else you want to share. Yeah, absolutely. Our website is um, www.heroicheartsproject.org. Um, you can also find me on LinkedIn under Tammy Lay. If you are called to our mission, please, please, please reach out. Or if you just want to share any resources that you think would align with our mission, I'm happy to have a conversation with you to help the veterans in our community heal. Wonderful. It's been uh, such a pleasure to connect with you again and to share your story. And yeah, I look forward to continuing to hear about your journey. And thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Likewise. Thanks for joining us for another edition of Ayahuasca Talks. Please visit RebeccaHayden.com for more ayahuasca integration content and for information about working with me and using hypnosis as an empowering integration tool.